To what's this Dao all about? A lighthearted look at Taoism featuring Dr. Carl Totten and Todd Perry. Carl is the founder of the Taoist Institute in North Hollywood, California. Todd Perry knows a little about Taoism and is mainly here because he owns a few microphones. Now, let's learn what's this Dao all about. everybody, and welcome back to What's This Dow All About? My name is Todd Perry, with me is the great Dr. Carl Totten. So wonderful to be here. We've been having a lot of fun uh, talking Dow today. This is the third show we're doing in this session on a beautiful November 2019 day. And we're going to do a little bit of listener mail here about combating the darkness we see in the world around us. And let's make sure we remind our uh, listeners about our uh, extras Yes, that they can get. I say this for a $15 donation. You make at whatsthisdow.com right over PayPal. Real easy to do. We'll uh, send you a recording of a show we never released called Finding Talents in Chapters 42 and 53. We'll also send you three meditations by Dr. Totten. They're all about 35 minutes each. Uh, it's a great little package and it helps support you know the time, effort, money we put into making this mm-hmm. show go. And that's a, what, a $35 donation for that? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. And it's all written out there at whatsthisdow.com. Uh, you know what? And we suggest usually having a cocktail or two before making your donation. <laughs> Feel a little more generous? <laughs> Kidding. You know. But and, and the thing about those meditations is that there's no way that I know of to alter, change, improve your life unless you alter, change, improve your habits. <laughs> yes. And that's what those meditations really are about. It's to allow us to do things differently in terms of how we think, how we feel, how we experience ourselves at, at a deeper, kind of cleaner, more pure level so that we can really be in to create the life that really works for us. Yeah. So uh, before we get into uh, what we're going to discuss today, I, I read something that I thought was a very powerful way of describing the Tao, that the Tao is the river, not the water. Pretty heavy, right? Yeah, we always say go with the flow. Right, yeah. Go with the flow. Now what is the river? Right? What's the river versus the water? It's, it's the energy, it's the propulsion, it's the movement, it's the path. And these things interpenetrate each other, right? And you, know, the, yeah. Yeah, you said the Tao is the river, not the water, but yet the river, of course, contains water. What makes the water a river? <laughs> mm-hmm. right. What makes uh, us uh, people uh, people? Right. Or people do peopling, as uh, Alan Watts would say. A river is a tributary, right? Which means it's a path. It's going from it's moving from one position to another, and it moves through propulsion. And the propulsion in this case is natural, mm-hmm. right? Waves up and down, and that creates a flow. Uh, and same thing happens in the universe on a quantum level, right? 
up and down, move and move and move, forward and forward and forward. Uh, if it gets too high, it's out of balance. If it gets too low, it gets stuck in a low position, it's out of balance. Only flow allows it to move into harmony and, yeah. to, con- and to reach its destiny, whatever that is. And it's self-so. And, and yes, and it's self-regulating too. And so uh, we need to find that ourselves somehow, somehow. The Taoist way is to pay attention on one hand. We need to kind of slow down, stop, pay attention. We need to have a fine sense of discernment so we can make appropriate choices. We can exercise our freedom wisely. We have free will and not pursue external um, attachments that may be fine for others but may have nothing to do with our own particular path or what's in our best interest in terms of becoming a fuller, uh, growing human being. And we need to search deep within for that inner spark that animates us. And every human being has a unique inner spark that animates them. But many of us haven't found that spark. It's been hidden by all the chaos, all the noise, all the distractions, and all the programming that either has come from ourselves listening to external demands or programming that has been laid on us by others, school, church, parents, society, media, etc. The man. The man. <laughs> so we, ha- we have our hands full, you might say, yeah. in, in, in attempting to shed a lot of that while at the same time, it's, it's always a matter of letting go and letting in, letting go of those things that are not in alignment with ourself or in harmony with that with the Tao and letting in those aspects of ourselves that are most true to our heart, to our own inner nature, that unfolding of our inner nature. And looking back throughout history at cultural symbols and cultural archetypes, there are models throughout history that have um, kind of been kind of landmarks uh, on on the path. Mm-hmm. You know, there are major symbols in religions and various cultures and philosophical, spiritual systems that tend to reappear over and over and over and over. And some of those things, I think, can provide some guidance for us because a symbol is something that resonates with the experience of others. Yeah. And it, it encapsulates, and it embodies the meaning of a set of um, information or circumstances or something that at some point in time in some person's lives in, in the history of that symbolic tradition served the function of encouraging movement towards creation okay. or towards solving a problem. Okay? We need, in, 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 in modern kind of Western society, we've eliminated most of our rituals. Yeah. <laughs> we've eliminated... Or we've uh, replaced them with... Uh, oh, with the media or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, you know, but going out on the, you know, the journey to, to find yourself or... Uh, you know, having to overcome a challenge, you know, in order to find your own inner strength or learning how to become wise enough to interpret these, the, uh, 
uh, terrain and symbols in an environment so you can survive and thrive, you know, with little or nothing. Uh, you know, most of us would be uh, severely challenged if we had to do that today. Yes. 500 years ago, in a lot of native uh, communities, or even today in a lot of indigenous communities, you know, by the time you're a, a teenager, you're expected to know these things. And they society has set up meaningful rituals to challenge us on one level, but at the same time to provide the stimulus for finding the internal skills to accomplish the task. And that combination of external challenge and support to assist in the manifestation and the creativity of an individual, I think is something that's really lacking in modern kind of American society people, these days. People may not have to challenge themselves in, in many situations. But these cultural, spiritual, symbolic challenges that, again, remember, have been done by members of the same you know, cultural community for perhaps hundreds, if not thousands of years, you might say there's a, um, there's, there's a path there. You know, the path has been explored. You're not the first one to go down that road. You know? yeah. And so you have the wisdom of the elders you know, to help you. Often they teach you, in fact, to uh, pay attention to animals that who just in their natural way of existing overcome those challenges. You know, what can we get by watching the owls or watching the foxes or watching the rabbits or, or, or watching the deer or watching the lion? You know, all of these animals every day have to take on challenges just to survive. We typically don't have to do that much in terms of, you know, direct survival. You know, things are, you know, you, like you said, you just, you know, run down to the... Uh, Stater Brothers. To, you know, to the Seven Eleven or something. And, you, you know, you, you never have to leave, right? Yeah. <laughs> Everything you, you, you need to live a very, you know, simple life it might, might actually be in there, right? They got clothing in there. They got food. <laughs> they, you know, you, know, you can... Uh, there's all sorts of things to distract you in there. They even have newspapers. Uh, they have games you can play. Mm -hmm. right? You can get lottery tickets. You know, yeah, there's a zillion things you can do in there, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, How I Found Enlightenment in 7-Eleven. That uh, can be your yeah. new book. That would be good. That would be good. <laughs> <laughs> it would be hysterical, actually. <laughs> I love 7-Eleven. You know, totally off topic, but I love 7-Eleven coffee. I was in 7-Eleven getting coffee. I was like, this is just the best. I should have this every day. I, you know. <laughs> well, let's get on to a little bit of listener mail here. So we had a listener named Roman that mm -hmm. uh, sent an email to us. Uh, it's a teenager. Dear Carl and Todd, I'm a teen who is actively listening to all of the podcast. It's been a really eye-opening experience for me. You know, I always got to read the compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I would really appreciate some advice and concerns on matters I've been struggling with. Uh, let's see here. This, this is a very long email, so I want to make it short here. The first is that while I try to do my best to be the best of myself and go with the flow, the global environment of my school inhibits happiness and prosperity. Hmm. Pretty grave, if you ask me. I would like to have some advice on how I can use Taoism to combat the negativity, so to speak. 
It's kind of frustrating to me that I get so easily consumed by the darkness of the environment around me, in turn leading me to take, make stupid mistakes and be a bad version of my friends. Uh, and so basically, uh, that's the basic question. Uh, and they, uh, Roman thanks us for the podcast. So, you know, wh- whether we are at school like Roman or whether we are at work or whether we're just walking around, we are confronted by negativity and darkness mm-hmm. all the time. Yes. As a Taoist, I guess the answer would be, and obviously you tell me, it's, it's some kind of use of Wu Wei uh, in order to combat this and to mm-hmm. find our own kind of inner light. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we do that, Dr. Totten? Well, you know, I was really impressed that, you know, we have a young man here, a teenager, you know, asking important questions about his life. That's, I think that's really great. Uh, I love to see that. So, I, you know, so I, you know, I said to Roman, I said, you know, uh, again, yeah, of course, thank you for watching the show and for asking important questions. Uh, I think a lot of people his age and all ages uh, may have similar questions. So I think that my answer might be helpful to a lot of people besides just uh, Roman. You know, I, I said, you know, Roman, I, I, I find that there are really essentially two main ways to change a situation, internal and external, also known as yin and yang. And so one of the things I did was I actually uh, sent him a 10-day gong, a series of daily practices that he could use to alter his experience of the moment so as to move more naturally into the flow. Because it sounds like you know he was feeling a bit stuck, and, these, and those daily practices should help. Uh, real quick, I guess anybody listening, if they want to take the 10-day gong, which is a 10-day practice uh, in which people, you help, you kind of get in touch with your uh, inner self and greater body awareness. And yes. It's kind of a meditation. It's available yes. if you go to whatsthisdao.com. It's totally free. Just scroll down to an episode we did called 10 Day Gong, which I think was in the mm-hmm. 40s, and you can download a PDF of that right from the website. Yes, yes, right there for everybody to practice. Because unless we change our practice, we won't change our habits. And if we don't change our habits, we're going to keep doing the same thing that we've always done. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and if that's feeling unfulfilling, time to do something different. Time to reroute the river. Yeah, and that's what that 10 Day Gong is all about. Yeah, It's about change. Yeah. You know? On many levels, mental, emotional, physical, attitudinally, in many ways. So that's kind of an internal way. Now, on the other hand, externally, I said to Roman, I said, if your environment is difficult, you might wish to change your environment as much as you are able. Now, this can be very simple. You know, again, these days we often tend to grow up around in the city, particularly around, you know, steel and concrete, and that gets uh, very uh, st- st- stagnant and static after a while. Yeah. You know? And it's not, there's not that much life in it. It's not living and breathing. Not at all. No. So I said, go out into a park or into a forest or just to be in nature for a while. The ancient Taoists did this all of the time. And much of Taoism, Taoism has been called a nature philosophy even because the Taoist wanting to know what is natural did what? They observe nature. Yeah. <laughs> if you're gonna want, you want to know what's natural, you need to be out in nature and observing it. Yeah, you're yeah. not going to get it staring at a brick wall, right? No, or sitting at your your computer just uh, doing uh, keystrokes all day. Yeah, yeah it's not going to happen, you know. So we need to be a little bit more flexible. I also suggested that at the end of each day, 
that he look back and find some things that he is grateful for that day. It could be, you know, something, seeing something beautiful in the environment, watching children or animals play, you know, because one of the things that happens when we get in a rut and we feel stuck is that we aren't noticing what we enjoy. So therefore, we keep looking either someplace else or we look for more and more and more. We're never content with what we already have. Mm -hmm. And a person who is never content with what they already have, I guarantee you, will never, ever, ever be happy in life. No. Because nothing's ever enough. Yeah. But yet a Taoist knows when they have enough. Right. (laughs) And so... Every and everyone listening, you know, just can at the end of each day, just look back, kind of scan your day, and find at least three things that you were, that you feel that you feel blessed, that you feel grateful for, you feel pleased with. It can, it doesn't matter what it is, and then you want to take those things with you into your dream time, into sleep. Because it's been said that probably 90, 95% of our consciousness is in the unconscious or the subconscious. And so if all we are doing to try to help ourselves is work with the 5 or 10% that's conscious, the 90% is going to suffer. Yeah. But trust me, it does not suffer in silence. <laughs> it will come out. It will come out. You know, we talk about the shadow, the hidden part of ourselves. You know, the part that we have tried to disown or distance ourselves from. But a shadow follows you where? In your back. And if you haven't cleaned it up by owning it with love and acceptance and gratitude, trust me, it will stab you in the back. Yes. (laughs) It'll come back to bite you, to haunt you, and to haunt your your future and your destiny. And uh, that is not the way to inner peace and, and happiness at all. I also suggested that he might want to try writing um, things in a journal and keeping kind of a daily record of your of his blessings, because then, you know, you keep uh, you know fifteen or thirty days of blessings, and then you look at that and you go, "Wow, you know, my life is not so bad after yeah, all." Things aren't quite so dark because I've been missing the richness of it because I was so caught up in the chaos or in the moment that I couldn't see what was already there. Yeah. But seeing what's already there creates space for more to be there. Right. And without us having to do anything else. Because remember, the entire Tao, the entire universe, contains every conceivable possibility. How do we miss it? We miss it by doing the same old limited and limiting things, thoughts, ideas, behaviors, experiences that we've always done. By being slaves to the past by being slaves to our habits that's how we miss the newness of each moment of the Tao unfolding and so I, I was really happy that uh, you know to give Roman some advice like this because I think that it's pertinent advice for all of us really and if young people who I think are really caught up in again social media and so many other things kind of external things if they can start asking these questions and start learning how to find these evolving solutions within themselves, they and our future world will be a lot better off. We we won't be stuck in these patterns forever. The Tao is always changing. Change with it. Yeah, why aren't we? 
Chapter 41 of the Tao Te Ching. The wise student hears of the Tao and practices it diligently. The average student of the Tao... The average student hears of the Tao and gives it thought now and then. The foolish student hears of the Tao and laughs out loud. If there were no laughter, the Tao would not be what it is. Hence it is said, the bright path seems dim. Going forward seems like retreat. The easy way seems hard. The highest virtue seems empty. Great purity seems sullied. A wealth of virtue seems inadequate. The strength of virtue seems frail. Real virtue seems unreal. The perfect square has no corners. Great talents ripen late. The highest notes are hard to hear. The greatest form has no shape. The Tao is hidden and without name. The Tao alone nourishes and brings everything to fulfillment. Wow. There's a lot, a lot to unpack in there, isn't there? Yes. And, you know, don't we know that I'm sure you, much more than I, as someone who runs the Taoist Institute, and me who does this show, is that often you tell people about the Tao. And some people uh, will look at me cross-eyed, be like, what is this Tao? What's this Tao all about? I have no idea what you're talking about. It seems like some kind of foolish, hocus-pocusy kind of thing. And then some people go, oh, you know, Tao, I've, I've heard of that. It's like maybe similar to Buddhism or it's this kind of thing where I heard this one thing, whatever. And then every once in a while, I remember I was once, I was once at a bar just talking to some rando guy I'd never met before. And he didn't look like the kind of fellow who was into these sorts of pursuits. And I was sitting there just talking to him. And then he started quoting back Lao Tzu to me. Oh. And I was, I was blown away. I was like, okay, yeah, you know. Give the show a listen. Or maybe you don't even need to listen because you already know what this Tao is all about. <laughs> kind of thing. But it's always funny the uh, reactions that mm-hmm. one gets when you bring up Taoism. Because it's not that known in, of a thing. I mean, we're trying to spread it, obviously, with this show. But. And yet it's the second most widely pop, uh, translated book after the Holy Bible itself. Yes, right. So there's a lot of interest out there. Yes. But, th- but there's an equal amount of confusion just because of the way the book is written and because of the nature of the Tao. Yeah. The Tao that can be spoken is not the eternal Tao, first thing out of Lao Tzu's mouth. Yeah. Look at this reality. How do you explain it? Yeah. How do you put it into words? <laughs> and that's what Lao Tzu is one of the few people that's able to do, but then taking those words and understanding them is a, a whole other thing. You need a guide such as yourself. <laughs> so, you know, I, th- I often think that in this chapter, Lao Tzu's, in part, he's cautioning us about taking things for their surface appearance. Thus, the bright path looks dim. Going forward seems like reverse, he says. The easy way seems hard. Furthermore, the wise will practice the way, he said. The average person will try it off and on, while the foolish person just laughs because it makes no sense to their material, ego-driven world, that is. So, you know, bright and shiny things often validated by and pursued by the masses seem dim to the wise person. What appears to be progress may look to the Tao student as quite negative. What appears to be easy might indeed prove difficult. And what is called virtuous might actually be an empty path. Real virtue seems unreal, he says. You know, one portion I really resonated with was when Lao Tzu said, Great talents ripen late. Mm. You know, I've seen so many instances in which young persons 
seem to have peaked too soon and then burn out early, even die from one excess or another. You know, in music, you all know about the infamous 27 Club, where many of the greatest musicians of all time peaked and died at the age of 27. Amazing. The best in the world. All of them. Incredible. How'd that happen? You know, in, in my high school class, the student body leader and president you know, all the way through middle school, high school, this guy was a you know, student council, student body president, you know, had all the accolades, all the awards by the time he was 18, you know. And right out of high school, he went straight to a highly competitive university and was dead by 25. Wow. EOD. Wow. This star. Mm. He peaked too early, it seems. On the other hand, you know, others who I've seen take a more balanced and slower path. They've learned, they've taken some classes. They've learned about themselves. Maybe they went into therapy. Maybe they went into some sort of self-help uh, tradition. You know, they learned about themselves and then more slowly unfolded over the years. And um, they were kind of like, more like late bloomers, mm-hmm. you might say. Mm-hmm. And sometimes... I wonder if the early peakers, <laughs> the ones who peaked so soon, by being pushed to success or to what society expects of them, if they had slowed down a bit and taken a closer look at who they are, how they are really defining themselves and by who and what standards, I wonder if they might have lived longer and done had a better outcome in the long run. You know, sometimes slow and steady wins the race. Think about the tortoise and the hare. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think often the Taoist path is to, you know, let things just kind of ripen. Let them ripen in their own way, in their own time. Uh, you don't have to force it. Just sit back a little bit. Because nowadays, sometimes you look at the expectations that we have of two-year-olds, three-year-olds, four-year-olds. It's incredible. No, don't I know it. You know, they've got they've got homework. <laughs> they've got agendas set for them already at, in preschool. It's unbelievable. When do they have time to just be a kid and, you know, and play? Because the way children actually learn is through play and through observation, modeling, and encouragement, encouragement and reinforcement. I'm saying this now as a child psychologist, you know. Yeah. You know, um, you know I've been professor of school psychology for about the last uh, 15 or 20 years. Uh, you, know, you know, full professor and department chair <laughs> at a university. And so I know a little bit about, you know, what circumstance, what conditions it's going to take for someone to actually grow into the best version of themselves, of who they can be. Not what someone else thinks they they could be, but who themselves, who they think they can be. You know, I've started writing a book I've mentioned before, you know, everything you should have learned in kindergarten but didn't. Yeah, yeah. And these are some of the things that I think that we should learn. You know, things like, you know, just take your time, move at your own pace, you know, kind of follow your own inner light, your own inner voice. Uh, You know, life isn't always fair. It doesn't have to be, you know. Uh, We don't have to know things all at once, you know. We're like little scientists. Experiment, try things, you know, and then see what fits and let go of what doesn't, you know. Um, You don't have to always get things right the first time. 
just all these little things so that you don't wind up becoming so neurotic that you drive yourself crazy as you get older. You know? Well, it's funny. I felt like you were telling my life story because <laughs> I was the student body president every year in wow. high school. Every year. Wouldn't let anybody else get a shot at it. Oh, <laughs> no, not me. And, uh, and all that. And Th- then I, I, Thank God you're still here. <laughs> right, yeah, and, well, and then at 21 years old, I was kicked out of college for academic probation. I was filling out the paperwork to be part of the 27 Club, you know, and living that life and, and the whole bit. And then, you know, 23, 24, go to therapy, all this, and then kind of started my second act. Yes. You know, I was going a certain direction and then kind of ran into a wall, went into the path of self-destruction because I had, you know, ripened and then rotted. You know, mm-hmm. at a certain place mm-hmm. and, and tried too hard and yes. all went and was was running towards this goal that wasn't me, you know. And then finally, I, I, I think I could have at that point followed the path of self-destructiveness, uh, got down on myself, and I think I did for a bit. But then I kind of said, okay, forget the past, T- you know, time to start over. Where are you now? And then got back, therapy, finished school started a career, became a writer, you know, and, and, and did my own thing. Yes. And then at a certain thing, I, you know, sometimes I go through this period, and maybe I ruined my potential by kind of burning out at a young age, or maybe, you know, maybe I underachieved for who I was in high school and everything like that. And then I just thought, and then, and then at, at 42 now, you know, I love my life. I love everything I've accomplished. And I think yes. that I'm living as me and not living to other people's expectations yes. like I was in high school. And mm. I feel like an individuated human being. Excellent. But there was definitely points along the way that were traumatizing having gone from uh, kind of great high and being perfect yes. to not being. Yes. You know, and, and going through that. But now it's, you know, I see, you know, a Palace of Wisdom after the life of excess kind of thing. <laughs> and then I always think, I'm like, okay, I'm 42. Uh, there are a lot of people in life that really hit their stride way later in life. Yes. You know, not, not that I feel like I'm not hitting my stride or not doing what I should in life or anything like that. But I always think like, wow, there's, you know, there's certain people I think that were kind of their best at 70. Mm-hmm. Like think about a guy like Mark Twain. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Wow, what a great 70-year-old, right? Like probably at his height of powers, at his height of wit and relevance to the culture maybe as, as an older man. Mm-hmm. And some people, uh, you may think of actors or musicians or whatever, that young, when they were young, they were powerful and had something to say and were relevant and kind of at that peak, but then never could recapture that right. or right. got stuck in a certain way. And so we never, we, none of us really know and so maybe we're dead and one day somebody writes a book about us about <laughs> when we were at our own greatest potential. Maybe some people look their best when they're old, right? You know, you know um, it's, it sounds like it was really good that you were able to, you know, life kind of put on the brakes for you. <laughs> like you said, when that what happened when you were 21 or whatever. Yeah. But, but then that gave you time to reboot and you got, and you got yes. some help. You know, you got some support, mm-hmm. and that allowed you to clarify your path so that you could move forward and actualize more of your actual authentic potential later in life. Yeah. And not join that unfortunate 27 club. Right. <laughs> you know. 
And, and I think that finding the Tao was within that point of self-destruction. Oh, hey, skateboarder. Uh, within that point of self-destruction, I was also on a spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and focusing on that versus accomplishments and everything like that. I was just into that headspace yes. or whatever. So it all ended up working out. And I think for with everybody, there's that always that potential to start a second act. Yes. But it was very painful going, you know, kind of having dark days after being like, wait, I was, you know, I was going to a prestigious university and I had, you know, <laughs> I had it all figured out, I thought, and I, I could do no wrong. And then it was like, um, you know, somebody took the wheels off the... Hmm tricycle and I couldn't ride the bike you know but um yeah it's just interesting how we evolve and how again you know we get we get multiple acts yeah it's life. a wonder you didn't wind up in um, you know, politics with you with that background you know student body president every year you know maybe it's a great thing I <laughs> did they, you know you went for you know the uh, school board and then city council and then county uh, commission and then mayor and uh, you oh. know run for house of reps and then governor and uh you know, we might be seeing uh, you know President uh, Todd by now. Who knows? You know, there's still a chance. There's still a chance. If I could just, I had a solid base at North High School in Torrance in 1994. Okay, I had, had it all in line. You know, so, but uh, yeah, it's just amazing how our lives uh, change. Yeah. Well, if you want to, you know, throw, toss your hat into the political ring. Uh, uh, I'll vote for you. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. So real quick, uh, Derek Lin, the, the uh, author of a very popular translation of the Tao Te Ching, had some great thoughts about what happens when people laugh upon hearing the Tao. Hmm. It says, Tao cultivators do not take offense at this. We understand that many people still live with the illusion of separateness, that the world is black and white, us versus them, so anything beyond their comfort zone must be an enemy of sorts. Their lives are limited. So we do not regard them with annoyance or indignation, only with compassion and goodwill. Yes. Sages liken such individuals to a frog who lives in a well. From its perspective, at the bottom, the sky is rather small. If a bird were to fly by and tell it about the vast spaces outside, the frog would react with disbelief. Then perhaps a feeling a tinge of fear and it might ridicule the bird to drive it away along with it, that feeling of discomfort. The day will come when the frog grows strong enough to jump out of the well. Mm -hmm. Similarly, one day those who laugh at the Tao will get enough spiritual maturity to venture beyond their limits. When this happens, they will see the wide open vistas for themselves, and they will know in their heart of hearts that nothing will ever be the same again. Mm. Very sweet. Very sweet. I think it's so important for us to uh, just give ourselves a break. We're really hard on ourselves. Many of us, I think, are harder on ourselves than anyone else could be. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> and um, we, we, we make our existence uh, kind of a living hell, I think, as a result. Mm -hmm. If we just gave ourselves some space and some nurturing, get, you know, get some help if, if you need it. We don't have to know everything. Mm -mm. It's okay. It's okay to read. It's okay to study. It's okay to go get some therapy, some counseling, you know, to go talk to someone who's kind of been down that path before. Oh, and, and somebody who has seen 10 billion people like you walk in the door. <laughs> That's the best thing. You know, a therapist goes, oh, I've seen this kid. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah. And yet each person is new also. Mm -hmm. You know, there's some things that are familiar 
but the, but unfolding each person's reality is brand new every time, and that's yeah. very exciting. Not not only for me, but exciting for the person, particularly if they felt confused, they felt stymied, they felt uh, distorted, mm-hmm. they felt a lack of you know self esteem, they felt a lack of self confidence. I think which I anxiety and all the depression again, all these things that I know for a fact are a major part of the experience of many, many, many people these days. But again, everything can change, mm-hmm. but only if we're open to change it. <laughs>